What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Fly Life Podcast, and for this episode, Greg Ryder's back on the show for the usual Ryder banter episode. Uh, we talk about his new FedTech builds and hobbies, my film gigs, losing a quad in the ocean. Um, yeah, just a lot of tangents, but it's a really good episode. I really enjoyed it. And um, speaking of the episode, it's the last week that you can win the Hacko Soldering Iron giveaway. And all you have to do to enter is follow myself and Hacko USA on Instagram and tag us in a post and you're entered. I'll announce it next week or I'll announce the winner next week on uh, the episode with Kyle Antonowich of Mini Quad Club, a.k.a. Kyle and the Sandwich. Um, before we get into the episode, let's thank this week's sponsors, the usual sponsors. First, we have Emacs, uh, which can be found at emacs-usa.com. And I don't know if you've seen their new FPVRC car, the Interceptor, but after this Hacko giveaway, I'm going to be giving one away on here. So make sure to stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, you can use code FLYLIFE at checkout um, for 10% off at emacs-usa.com. So go save some cash. Um, and then we have Real Steady, Real Steady Go, which now supports the eight. I just took my first eight flights with Real Steady yesterday. It's not as easy as the six, but it does 120 frames at 1440, 4.3 aspect ratio. Thank you. Um, and you can get $5 off Real Steady Go at realsteady.com with code FLYLIFE at checkout, or you can just go to realsteady.com backslash FLYLIFE. That's all I got for the intro. Let's roll into this week's episode of the Fly Life Podcast with Mr. Greg Ryder. We should start this thing. It's been a hot minute. I feel like been, we haven't done one of these in months. Like two months almost. Yeah, two months. But you came out here. Yep. And then you quit podcasting for a short time. Like four weeks. Yeah. Nice little hiatus, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, here comes the sun. <laughs> Isn't that that's a song, bro? You should trigger that on a sample. Yeah. Um no, but what have you been up to since then? I mean, since the last podcast, I feel like it's been a lot. It was we did that podcast, then it was Christmas, then I came out to Cali with my family, hung out with them, kicked it with you, came back, went to Colorado for a ski shoot, and then came home and then just went to Oklahoma City. Damn. So just like That's a bunch. Yeah, just hop skips all, all month. Yeah, for sure. But Cali was tight. <clears throat> yeah, Cali was tight. I mean, you hit me up and you're like, come on down. We're going to be down by the beach. We're going to go hunt for my drone. It was perfect timing. And it was only like an hour away from you. Yeah, it was pretty close. Everything um, in the Bay Area is pretty close, though. Yeah, totally. But I mean, in, in terms of my family going to California, which is a huge place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it worked out. Um, but yeah, we did spend an entire morning hunting for a drone. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, Greg, why don't you come up here? It'll be, it'll be a fun little walk down to the beach. We'll look for this quad. And it was like a mile of scaling rocks and cliffs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was in the brush. Like you, you painted a picture that we're gonna like hike down a pretty mellow hill. Maybe it's down there a little ways, you know that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, we were straight up scaling cliffs at low tide to make sure that we didn't get drowned. We didn't, we didn't get dead. We didn't get get real dead real quick. Um, yeah, it was fun though, bro. I haven't, I haven't climbed any rocks or, you know, thought about my survival like that in a while. 
Yeah, like been it like on the edge of this little like cliff walkway thing and been like, well, I can't go back. So yeah, envisioning the end, but it was a nice day. So it was a beautiful out. day. We did yeah. see some awesome sights and uh, no quad, which was such a bummer. But honestly, kind of got the vibe that that was gonna be like. I would have been bummed if I didn't check if it was there, just because I wouldn't have been able to like check it off my list of I did everything I could. But uh, even walking down there, I was like, "There's a tops twenty percent chance we find this thing." Yeah, dude, the DVR. I mean, it showed exactly where it was. I thought I thought we could hike there, walk there, whatever, and we got there, but. <clears throat> I think it got stuck in those rocks 30, 40 feet out. Yeah, I think so too. And that water was not like you could go out there and snorkel and just bear the cold. It was like, yeah. it's going to suck you out to be some great Weiss fucking lunch set up. Straight up, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not for me. Good though. And then you went back out there and got some sick footage the next day, right? Oh, uh, I did. I didn't fly over the ocean though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it puckered it puckered the ass once and you're like eh. yeah which i was like which i was torn about because like it's to me it's always been like if you mess something up you just got to get back on the horse like if you crash skiing or something mountain biking you got to just get up and do it again so it's not a mental thing right and um i didn't do that because i had like another six days of flying and i only brought two 5s quads yeah so I was like, had to make the choice, dude. Had, had to make the call. Um, but I definitely need to just like go out and fly over some water now because I built that drone or that, yeah, that drone's exact replica minus like one thing. Cool. Like FPV antenna. Oh, and the new one's completely conformal coded because we're not <laughs> letting that happen again. <laughs> just sprayed her down. <laughs> yeah, I lacquered it on thick, man. Yeah. And if anybody conformal codes something do it away from where you're usually hanging out at because it smells so bad. Yeah. You're going to get real high real quick. Yeah. Just taking scoops out of your brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The equivalent of bath salts. I mean, don't, that shit's toxic. Yeah. Um, then what else did we fly out there? We flew like that ship bay thing. Um, and yeah, then that was like, uh, what was that? Vallejo. Went to Mariner, Mariner Point or something with some uh, empty, empty ships cargo. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And then we that little tree spot you got by your house that you were just like, ah, oh, this isn't you know. I think it's pretty fun and sick, and it's just like this little hundred yards by hundred yards was such a fun place to fly. Yeah, it's like a little BMX track for quads. Yeah, it's like a little jungle gym kind of setup. There's like yeah. ga gaps at every elevation, different heights, different size trees. Yeah, a little bit of everything, dude. Yeah, FPV CrossFit. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Dude, I like going flying there. I think when we went there, it was only like second or third time, but yeah. You know, it's it's not big, but like it's one of those places you can count on. There's no people walking through and like – and it's tucked between some shit, so even if it's breezy, it's not breezy in that spot. Yeah. Like, it's kind of safe from the wind. Yeah, it was good. And then, uh, and yeah, and then when you left the bay, where'd you end up going? Uh, I came home for like a week, and it was pretty shitty weather, so I just hung out. And then I went to Colorado for like... 
seven days a week. Yeah, I was gone for seven days. For filming, right? Yeah, I went to Aspen. It was a three-day shoot um, and then two days of hanging out and two days of travel. Um, but I stayed at a friend's house and did another shoot with Alex Ferreira and Columbia Sportswear right. and, Vi- and Vital Films, like the one back in April. But I came out a day early to go watch Alex compete in X Games, and he fucking won, which was awesome. And we all had like a little stigma like that day. We were like, no one talks about X Games. No one says a thing. Right, right. Because we were like, we got to go film with this kid for three days. You know, like the difference of mood he's going to be in for three days. For sure. That's wild. Yeah. Um, So that was sick. And then three days of backcountry ski filming. So like we had to commute on snowmobiles for an hour. Had to have avalanche beacons. um, Just like all sorts of shit that I've never done. Driving snowmobiles is so challenging. I flipped that shit four times and had a head on with a tree. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So bad. The last time I rode one was like five or six years ago, but I, I've been wanting to get back on one. Yeah. And like the first two days I had like a 1995, like Griswold's go to aspen type of snowmobile that's what i'm talking about dude that's what i'm (laughs) like it's all low and shit um so i had one of those and then my buddy mike uh michael baden who's the sound guy for this video project he hops on the back and he's like you got it man two minutes in i roll this thing and that fucking sucked and then we grab um like the third day vital films had some super nice like 2018 ski do 800s and that shit was like I've never been on something that is that fast. It's crazy. Yeah, the supermoto version. Yeah, you were like, dude. And I've never ridden like a sport bike or like anything mm-hmm. with that kind of speed where it's between your legs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a different type of feeling. For sure, <laughs> it is. For sure, it makes you feel some type of way. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, it's addicting. I bet. Uh, you can get into a lot of money for those. I think. Yeah, I those big boys. Yeah, shout out to the vital guys for not being pissed that I totally fucked up in front of <laughs> one of those. <laughs> you just front ended right into a tree on throttle. On throttle, perfect. They, yeah, yeah. They were all. Uh, I mean, like it was just a whiskey throttle because they were like, "Don't get stuck in a tree well." And I started going to a tree well, and I was like, "Oh, I gotta like you know, huck it out of here." And uh, you just gotta lean those yeah. so far over, and I just hit this tree. Um, and mess up the front end and then they were all surprised that i was okay and i was like dude i'm so sorry (laughs) it was before i had to fly too which was a bummer i was like okay wipe this out of my head yeah like just forget about that for the next five five minutes yeah totally um but then it was chill because then they were like dude you want to know what kale did two weeks ago and it's like you know and it was just like way worse than what i did nice that's always good when they got unless you're the guy right unless you're the guy that's you know that um they're telling the story about yeah i think that like the next step up would have been did last weekend (laughs) (laughs) oh dude don't worry about it you just martin did last week yeah i think the real nail on the coffin is if you couldn't drive it back yeah that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) that's like the has to be um, operational yeah totally yeah um, and then what else happened on that trip? I uh, I forgot that my VTX on my quad was set to 25 milliwatts, and I went out like 
three quarters of a mile and a thousand feet up like over a cornice on a mountain and Mm -hmm. i have no idea how i got that kind of video (laughs) are you sure it was on 25 100 percent wow yeah i mean i think it helped that we were at like 12 to thirteen thousand feet like that was our range we were operating in with no with no sort of interference or any sort of bandwidth anywhere around you yeah probably like 10 miles to the closest receiver or weather station or anything yeah you got lucky dude that was lucky um like three quarters of a mile yeah it was uh a thousand uh it was a thousand meters out so yeah two-thirds of a mile yeah um and then yeah and then i shattered a prop straight off the motor in the cold i was flying in a straight blizzard like through because we were like up on a mountain so it wasn't like fog it was like clouds that were snowing but we were in the cloud and i just pulled up to do a power loop and the prop just exploded straight off the motor what um what kind of prop was it not the brand but the like the material uh well it was a johnny azure prop okay (laughs) (laughs) i mean those are not exactly like super flexible you know what i mean yeah not super flexible and um i've always like people i know in aviation have always been like dude one of these days you're gonna get frost build up Mm -hmm. um and i'm always like that's i mean like it's spinning so fast and i'm moving through it so quick i don't know if that's actually gonna happen but I don't think it was frost buildup, but I think the prop got so cold because it was like six. Yeah, it was like six yeah. degrees, and then I'm going, you know, 50, 60, negative, heavy negative. At that, yeah, at that, um, at that temperature, bro, and the torque. What do these things spin? Fifty-five thousand RPM, something like that. Like thirty or something. Yeah. Depends, right? But it's a lot. It's enough to. Yeah, it's like cooked pasta versus raw pasta like yeah uncooked pasta bro yeah snaps real easy them uncooked feels and uncooked props man um but yeah got all the shots worked out super sick such a dope gig dude dude the dope is the dope it was like yeah every day i was just like this isn't really happening yeah, didn't you say you had pizza delivered to you in a snowmobile because it was too cold? Yeah, we were so f- we were on the like we shot at uh, three different locations, and on the first day there was like a Forest Service um, like public cabin that you could just hang out at, and we set up there, and someone brought us like pizza um, on a snowmobile because we were like a mile or two behind Aspen Mountain on the first day, and they just snowmobiled to the top of Aspen, hit up the. Um, played the restaurant at the top and then brought it back. So clutch. Yeah. And I was, I was like stuffing hand warmers in my toes and stuff and trying to say, like the day we were in the cabin was the worst because I wasn't doing anything. So I was just moving. Like I flew two packs that day when hmm. I was out there for like eight hours. Yeah. Have you had uh, GoPros freeze up on you? I had my first experience with that. Yeah. Um, I've had it happen a lot. And for me, it's always been a temperature thing. So, like, I was stuffing hand warmers on everything. And I only had it happen to me on one pack. And luckily, it was, like, one of the packs that didn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Um, But otherwise, I would just keep – like, I would take my GoPro off the quad in between shots, put it in my backpack on some hand warmers, 
um, and then take it out. And I replace my battery once it hits 50% on the GoPro. Cause it, yeah, I didn't do any of that. Yeah. Based, <laughs> like based on what I've seen, it happens to me when it's cold and the GoPro battery is below 50. Yeah. And it always happens around the 30 second mark. So I'll hit record like on the ski thing. They would be like, you're going to be going up in a minute. And I would just hit record on my GoPro. And then like 30 seconds in, I would grab the quad and wiggle it around and make sure it was still recording. And that happened a lot. Yep. Yep. Didn't do that either. (laughs) What happened? I don't know. I was out there. I mean, so I was in Utah for a work event and then I met up with Skyberries in Provo and we went flying up in Provo Canyon and so I went out, I went out there like it was <laughs> like Bay area cold, bro. Like I had dress socks and like, you know, <laughs> which are like, le- like less insulating than regular socks, <laughs> like some air max, like some good breathable air max, Nikes, some dress socks and some, uh, some jeans and a t-shirt bro with a jacket. I wasn't ready. It was like 30, it must've been 30 degrees, something like that. And, uh, Anyways, I was flying. I could barely feel my thumbs or my feet. And I got most of the clips except for the one that I really liked. And that one froze up like 15, 15, 20 seconds in, something like that. That was disappointing. But uh, flying with those guys was fun. Yeah, like what was that like? Like was Provo still just ripping it? I've never flown with Skyberries, but last time I hung out with Provo, he just – like he just flies a different cell. Like he's flying like big lines, but like a racer. Yeah, I would say I learned a lot just by watching those dudes fly. Like just watching how they operate from setup to flying to. Yeah, it was just interesting. You know, not, like not every pack is a is a flight clip. You know what I mean? So they're like, um, they're going hard, dude. Like they'll, they'll try the same gap, like a few times in a flight just to kind of figure it out, kind of scope it out, almost do like a recon run. Like treating it more like a real aircraft kind of thing. Yeah. Or more like, um, like a freestyle skater who's like checking out a skate park before doing a run. Like, like basically there was this one spot where the water had gone down a rope, like a climber's rope and it froze. And so it looked like this long ass, um, stalagmite thing that's frozen like this long ass spear and um i'm sure what do you call that martin dude well i mean i'm saying it's stalagmites stalagmites come down right because they gotta be mighty to hold on isn't that how you remember one's a tight yeah and i think it's mites are the ones that hang down i could say what you said yeah you said that one what okay i'm I'm smart yeah i know i know this hundred percent oh i was sure when i said it actually (laughs) i was testing you (laughs) yeah uh so this icicle looking thing we're like can't be that long and then he's all on the quad you know i'd say probably a half mile half mile out with a lot of climb and he's just you know yawn around this rope checking it out skyberry well both of them dude um and they give each other a lot of shit and uh it's funny because they try to just like 
get each other kind of spooked on how radical they're flying. So like Bryce will hit some gnarly gap at a high speed on a far side of a mountain where there's little like line of sight on video. And Provo was just like dying, laughing, like, you're going to lose it. You don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> and like, you know, and it's just like gets your blood pumping. I'm sitting there in the goggles, like watching a damn movie. Um, that was pretty awesome watching those guys like hit the same spot over and over. Like for me, you know, well, first off, I'm not even talk about the gear. They're flying six inch. I'm flying five inch. That I don't think mattered where we were flying, but just in general, like, <laughs> I'm trying to feel my thumbs and just trying to figure out where to fly home to. You know what I mean? That is like, a real different feeling in the mountains. That first time you turn around from the top of a mountain and you're like, where am I? I didn't know if that little black line in the snow was the road or the stream or where I was. Um, Shit, you're like, they, fuck this 1.8 miles <clears throat> right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Should have gone to five. And they're like, you know, they're like, go left, go left. And I'm like thinking, you know, stage left or like, which left? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And when you're up there, you're like, all right, which way am I actually trying to go back home to? So. And I feel like your heart rate just spikes. Like in that moment, it's so hard to be calm. Like the first moment you realize, I don't know where the hell I am right now. You're just like. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. But these guys knew, you know, if I was solo, different story, I'd definitely be tripping. But they were like, they were like, go left, go left, you know. So I figured it out eventually. Um, that was good times, though. Yeah, dude, super sick. And while you were out in Utah, you got to go on a super awesome anticlimactic film shoot. Super awesome anti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I work at Adobe. <clears throat> and I was at, I was in the Utah office for a work event and I got, it was a big team meeting and they wanted to hype up the team meeting by creating a, uh, the theme was like superheroes, right? So they wanted to take like a superhero movie trailer and, and do a parody of it where it was like our team's executives and all these people at Adobe who are like replaying this Avengers trailer, like as a parody. And I was like, oh, that's cool. What do you need me for? You know, they wanted like one drone shot of the building. And I was like, dude, you can do that with like a Spark. You can do that with a Mavic. Anyways, uh, it turned out that they wanted like some more elaborate stuff done inside and I was going to do it with the five inch until I thought about it some more and realized my job could be at stake. And that could be a severely, uh, what we call CLM, you know, what CLM is career limiting move. Oh, big time, bro. So that's a CEM <laughs> CEM career ending move. Yeah, that would have been. Yeah. Um, well anyway, so I did the outside shots, which was a lot of fun around the sign. And, um, when when I when I got asked to come out and and come out early, so I came out like two days early to this event to shoot some of this stuff. Uh, they said they had full security clearance to do the outside shots and the inside shots, and we were all good. And I was like, okay, in that case, I'm in, you know, because I hate rolling up and then getting kicked out of somewhere. 
we're all employees there, but flying a drone is a different, different story, right? So we get the approval. I go do the outside shots. Then we go inside and I straight up walk in the building with my badge, like with my goggles on my head and my radio on my neck, holding like two drones. And security's looking at me like side-eyed, like, who is this motherfucker? You know? And I'm like... You're like, Greg's here. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you guys don't follow me on IG? What's up? No. Yeah. So I'm like, it's okay. We're, we're employees. And we actually sent an email uh, and got approval from the head of security to do some filming inside. And they're like, they're looking at me like, uh, okay okay, let me, let me, what's your name? Like, and then they did all this investigation and I'm, I'm not really the one running the show, right? There's a guy on my team that's like fully running the show, directing this whole thing and just telling me what I'm supposed to fly and shoot and all that stuff. So he comes back and he's like, all right, yeah, you guys can fly in here. And this is Sunday when no one's at the office. <clears throat> so we take some test laps indoor with your Cinewhoop. Thank you, by the way. You're welcome. Um, I'm Glad you got to use it. Dude, it was a lot of fun to fly up in there. I was flying around the cafe. I was ripping around the whole building. It was pretty epic. But I was just doing it to get a feel of it and where the shot was going to be. So I didn't really worry about camera settings. So it came out way too dark. Little did I know that was going to be the last time I flew there. Uh, so next day, we're trying to shoot there. We got all the executives. All the employees are there. I think something's kind of weird, right? Like I'm like, how are we really going to pull off flying these drone shots with all these employees here. I'm like, you're going to have people clear out, right? He's like, oh, it's going to be five minutes. We'll have people stand back. I'm like, whoa, this doesn't seem like well thought out. But, you know, it was, it was thought out enough, I guess. So then we're about to do the same shots that we had practiced on Sunday, and the head of security comes down. He's like, uh-uh, no drones in the building. You're so, down deep, you're like, makes sense. But <laughs> I'm like, that's kind of what I thought like a week before I said yes to this thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, no, like this wasn't going to work. Um, but I'm all in there with the battery strapped up, goggles on the head, ready to go. And dude is just like, nope, no, no in the building. And uh, I ended up talking to him to, for a long time. We ended up getting some other shots and he let me fly some, some more outdoor spots. But anyways, long drawn out story is, uh, pretty pretty uneventful yeah like a whole a whole week of hype a day of like setup shots <laughs> yeah, and testing you, and you then mailed like, me that cinewhoop like overnight <laughs> yeah i was like dude i'll get it there you need this thing um but that's something we should talk about too yeah. because i feel like cinewhoops are super hot right now and that was your first time flying a cinewhoop how did you feel about it like how did it feel um let's see how did i feel about it well i didn't try to fly it aerobatically yeah at all like i wasn't flying level settings i still flew it in acro up the stairs which it's awesome for like i feel like there was some significant ground effect that was a little weird that like thank god for real steady right but like what i'm saying is like if that wasn't steady do you see a lot of shake low on the ground when you fly low i think definitely i yeah um but like the rates i just use your rates which are the standard you know rates i fly on my five inch and it was great dude that's like a nice kit too whatever that was i think it's iFlight yeah the iFlight the old one the uh mega b not the what's the new one the a bumblebee 
Yeah, the that's it. The one. Yeah, um, it's the old one. Cool. I just don't like. I I would totally get the new one if I didn't have this one. But I personally don't fly it enough. Yeah, it's a it's a one shot like pretty rare opportunity. You really need that thing. Yeah, definitely. It's not like something to go session. Although, um, you will be excited about this. Oh shit, where did I put it? Damn it. I would say though, the if you like if you fly a lot of cinematic stuff where you're not really trying to freestyle and you're flying indoor, like if your gig is doing indoor stuff, yeah, like and you want to do like UFPV or something. Exactly, like who and you want to do more dynamic like real estate and marketing stuff for businesses. Like, I mean, you, you probably end up flying that thing more than a freestyle. Yeah, yeah. dude, you know? definitely. And if you're getting super close to something, like a person, like if you were filming, you know, like a skater or like a mm-hmm. music video or something, that thing would be so clutch. Um, well, I've been trying just... to film these stunters, the Harley stunters. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, what would you recommend for that? Five inch? 100% five inch. Yeah, they got helmets. I mean, you could totally do it on the Cinewhoop, but if you fly the five inch more, just go with what you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think those dudes will be touching into speeds that the Cinewhoop is out of. Like, I don't think they're going to be going fast that often because they're stunting stuff. It's like but, 30, 30, 40 mile an hour wheelies, you know. Which I feel like for a Cinewhoop is, that's a lot. Yeah, to yaw in like if I, if I want to come around the front of the bike and I yeah. want to yaw and carry enough speed to carry that yaw. Is, uh, it, yeah, the Cinewhoop definitely does have like a a lot of drag. You can't like it doesn't have good huckability. Yeah. Huckability. Yeah. Put that one in the dictionary. Yeah. Yeah. It's huckability uh, factor. Not good. Not not good with that one. It's low on that on that factor. Yeah, dude. So Utah was epic and a bust at the same time. Epic and a bust at the same time. Totally flying with those dudes was fun. Um, even flying for Adobe was fun, dude. But it was just a little bit of a letdown. Yeah. But and dude, you went flying with Skybears and Provo, and your quad came back. Like I think that alone is kind of a win. Pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was a, that was a lot of fun. But you got you also got a few more gigs lined up while I was in Utah. Do you are you going to talk about that or are you going to keep that hush hush? Um, I think I'll keep it pretty hush hush. I do have a lot more gigs that involve like five states um, or like filming across like five states over the next uh, two and a half months, which is going to be insane. Yep. Um, good man. But then before that, what I can talk about is um, I'm supposed to go to Mexico to do a drone survey, and then I'm supposed to go to Aspen again right after that, then come home, and then go back to Aspen for like a six-day shoot with somebody else. Then start um, – hold on. What's up? Hello? What's up? That's not good. Everything okay? (laughs) My mom was like, whenever you're ready, uh, I got to let you know some sad news. What? Yeah. What were we talking about? We're going to (laughs) back. Whoa, bro. Pause. Pause. I'm going to edit Pause. this part out. Uh, 
Um, we're talking about uh, we're talking about your survey gig coming up. Oh yeah, so I got Mexico um, survey gig coming up, which should be chill, stressful, and fun, as those things always go. Um, and then I go back to Aspen for a six-day shoot for not vital films. Um, and then in June, I'm supposed to go to Alaska for another survey gig. Dude, where in Alaska? Kodiak Island. Oh, man. You got to bring your rigs, dude. Bring yeah. Bring camera, bring everything. I think I'm going to, if I'm going to be in a place like that, I think I'm probably going to, you know, because like my travel and stuff is covered. Um, so I think I'm just going to stay like an extra two or three days and pay for that hotel portion myself. Yeah, it's a good spot, dude. Yeah, um, so I'm hoping. I mean, like with all these drone gigs, like it's really always like up in the air. You know, like it's always like, hey, we're gonna schedule this next week, and then like that never happens. They're like yeah. two two more weeks, and then three days after that, they're like, can you be here tomorrow? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up and wait. Yeah, every For time. Sure. Yeah, every time. Um, yeah. So hopefully that, like, I mean, I get it. Like the the holidays were just like family time and not a lot of drone work. But I don't think it wasn't very flyable weather. People weren't doing surveys. Um, and I still got to, you know, like travel and see you and shit like that. Yeah. Good stuff, dude. Oh fuck. And I bought a new car. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's new since, uh, finally got rid of the old Honda at 272,000 miles. That's awesome. You found a buyer pretty quick for that thing, huh? Uh, it was like 70 hours. I sold it in 70 hours. It's pretty good. Yeah. 1500 bucks, man. Nice. You got some, it's, uh, it's good tire and gas money, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I bought a uh, Mazda CX-9. Killer. So killer. What color? White. Awesome. Everybody in my entire family owns all white cars, so I finally get to like join the ranks. Yeah, you pull some road trips in that thing, throw a bunch of gear in there. Yep, yep, all that. Yeah. Um, did you also hear about this uh, FAA proposed <laughs> FAA? FAA. How many A's are in that? Two. Okay. But yeah, one of those one of those places <laughs> issued a potential new uh, new laws. You know, like the the laws that hit four years from now. Yep. Where like as like a quick overview, gist the laws that make it basically illegal to fly FPV. <laughs> Uh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of disappointing, dude. Yeah. Um, I know Flight Test is doing like a huge, or maybe it was today, they did like a huge presentation to the FAA and you can you could have like submitted to that. And I know you have till March to submit a letter to the FAA like stating your case of why this shouldn't be. Um, and you should definitely do that as a listener. I did. Um, and if you do that, just be super political and positive. Don't be like, this is the dumbest law I've ever heard of. Be mm -hmm. like, here's why I love FPV. Here's what I do with it. And here's how this. The, the problem, unfortunately, is that I think a high percentage of people will be ignorant and angry and not articulate the right response the right way. And it's going to be a bad look. And it's really 
FAA is balancing the interests of a hobbyist community versus the interests of like well-backed and funded brands, brands like Amazon, FedEx, UPS. Yeah. And I really think it's the, it's the requirements that those companies are going to have to have to have safe services for their drone operations that completely limit us and that, and that are going to force us to have this hardware and technology on board to communicate location in the same way that these highly advanced, slow moving, whatever drones are going to be, you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally know what you mean. And, then, and I, I completely like, I get it from the FAA standpoint and I, I'm not, I, I don't think that like their laws on not being able to apply for new, like safe to fly zones after this is passed needs to change. And then I'm fine with like Canada just banned everything above 250 unless you have a license and they like, this is worse than that. But that was kind of like the first step we saw globally um, to like, you know, clear the skies for what's to come. And I'm totally chill with the FAA, like cracking down on this and making it harder to fly, but they need to leave us avenues. Like, I don't care if I have to go spend like five days in a classroom and mm-hmm. I have to do like a practical exam and show someone how in control I am. Like I am so down to do all of that, but just yeah. give me an avenue where I can do that to get like special licenses to keep doing what I'm doing. I, t- I mean, I totally agree, but I think it's going to be more fucked than that. You know what I mean? I think it's F U C T. The political fuckery <laughs> behind this one is going to be big. Like the uh, the fact that you can only fly at the and I forgot the acronyms, bro. I'm not I'm not well studied on this, but I get the gist of it. Like the sanctioned model air parks. Yeah, basically all AMA fields right now. Yeah, and you can fly there, but most of those fields don't really like drones. You know, the like the fixed wing warbird pilots, the the OGs, man. The extra 300s, the OGs. They're not about it, dude. And they, um, and so there's less less of those available. And then also uh, the applications for new parks will only exist for a year. So it, there's been a bunch of responses to this. I watched Bardwell's response. I mean, I think Bardwell's response is a little selfish in that, you know, it's, it's t- talking more about his career is at stake and what he's built and what this community means to him. But he does make a good point that I think what if this does become truly enacted, that it's going to cause a lot of rebellious activity, right? Because in Asia, where most of this shit is made anyways, like you'll still be able to purchase it. And just like anything, you'd be able to find some way to get it here and build it in your garage. And no, I'm just buying a tobacco water pipe, officer. <laughs> so, right? I mean... So, and you've seen what 3D printing has done to the gun market, right? And, and gun laws and things like that. So like when you force people to put this technology on potentially what you consider a crashable drone, and now your crashes are going to cost you 600 bucks every time, like you're probably going to pick to go fly in a park with not legally approved gear. Maybe I'm not saying you, I'm saying... People, like the masses, yeah. The masses will most likely choose to break the law than follow the law if they can get access to the parts. And I truly believe that they will be able to get access to the parts. Yeah, and like, like it, 
I mean, I live like in a suburban area now, but like out here in Kansas, like if I lived five miles outside of town and I had like 10 acres, like there, even if this law was passed, the incentive for me to not just go rip my backyard at like 50 feet off the ground would be like, no one's ever even going to know. And unless they change the punishment, like if, if this law passes and the punishment is the same for flying a park or diving the Empire State Building, you know which one I'm doing. <clears throat> Well, I think the punishment is always, yeah, totally. I get it. But exactly. And that's the mentality it's going to create. Um, I think the reality is that the punishment is going to be positioned as the most severe. So it's not going to be positioned as you broke the law in your backyard. It's going to be positioned that you dove a commercial building in commercial airspace over people. You know, that's what the, the punishment's going to be judged on, right? Yeah, but it was on Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> totally, dude. Um, um, yeah, I think it'll, you know, I think every time like laws like this get put out, like this is how, what we're thinking, it's never that extreme. Um, I think on the same front, this is pretty intense shit that they've got to figure out for the future, which is like a huge gamble. Like we don't really know where this technology is going and I'm sure the government has a way bigger map and like 10, 20 year plans of what they want done than we know about. Yeah. So I get their side, but they, yeah. Like if it costs me, cause I like, I get a paycheck from this. If it costs me like two grand to go get a license, like a small aircraft license, like two to five grand and spend time in a classroom and do practicals and be like super qualified. But it's not, I don't think it's about the pilot. It's about where the aircraft is in real time. I think they're trying to open up the commercial airspace to, you know, up to 400 feet. You know, I'm telling you, I mean, if that happens, then Fast and Furious DVD player heists are going to be happening with FPV quads. <clears throat> Mugging Amazon quads out of the sky. Dude, I mean, I'm going to even put an Integra body, like a Lexan Integra body on my quad and like come in underneath the shipping truck real low like. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Monica. Wait, yeah. No, in, in Fast and Furious One, when that that squad of those three cars come up, were those Integras or were those Civics? Those are Civics. Okay, sorry, bro. No, I wasn't gonna say anything, but inside I was like, "This motherfucker." This motherfucker got it <laughs> wrong, bro. Well, you know, I'm more I'm more geared on the German American car market. No, I know. I I feel like a a helpline. Uh, when you call me about cars sometimes. I know, bro. What about that one I almost got last week? Or yeah. Yo, Martin, uh, can you be here on the 15th? I want to go buy this car. <laughs> uh, I want to get some footage of this. What do you I'm think? Like, dude, it's the 12th. <laughs> and the fucking car doesn't even run. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. And I'm like, I don't know. You're like, okay, cool. How about the 21st? <laughs> and then what did you do? You're like... This fucking guy won't email me back about this Porsche, so I built out a whole gun online. Oh, well, okay, so, yeah, before that gets fucking mistaken, <laughs> I got a lot of fucking hobbies, dude. So if we lose drones, I mean, it's going to hurt me deep down in the core and in the soul, but I'll find someone. For six to... minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the car's not available? Oh, just let me, oh, shiny over there. It's really the ADD, I think. So, yeah, I was looking for a car, but, yeah. Guns? No, I don't hunt, bro. I'm not, I'm not like a survivalist. I'm not trying to defend myself with a gun, but I'm I'm trying to get ranked in competitive and, shooting. Okay, I was like, yeah, but in yeah. the Aryan Brotherhood. <laughs> <laughs> no! 
get ranked on any sort of level. Fuck's sake, Martin. Competitive shooting oh, sounds yeah, tight, yeah, yeah. though. I'm trying to get Grandmaster in like 18 months, and I swear some dudes would probably laugh at me, but that's all right. Dude, Keanu oh, did it in a day. I think he got it, bro. Dude, if Keanu did it in a day, <laughs> bro, you got this. Dude, I'm telling you, wear your Keanu fan club merch well, gear, all the stuff to the range, let the people know. I mean, to Keanu's defense, like, I, he's a pretty well-paid dude, and he's probably got a lot of time on his hands. So he has a lot of dry fire practice time. You know that before his movies, he was standing in front of that mirror practicing shooting that pistol. And then he also had to do tons of tactical training. So by the time this dude even goes to a competition, he's already got years on the guns. He's already got years in training. But, yeah, that's the cool thing is if you show up and you shoot well, you get ranked. I mean, you have to do it over, like, four matches something yeah i'm gonna disregard all that and just say that he took the blue pill um and he was in the matrix so that's why he's so sick of shooting yeah. i don't know if you i don't know if you saw the documentary the matrix <laughs> the true life story of keanu reeves called the matrix yeah that's why they picked him to play john wick e hollywood john wick um you've been building up a new fet tech rig that i don't think we've talked about much like you don't, I don't think you had, you had maybe just gotten the stuff you were like getting excited to build it last time we talked and then you were starting to build it when I was out there. Yep. Yep. Fettech. And then I guess since then they've released a 30 by 30. I bought the smaller one, the 20 by 20 ESC with the 30 by 30 light controller. Hindsight, do you wish you had the 30 by 30 ESC? Yeah. But that's just because that's how it mounts up to my frame. Like if I had a 20 by 20 option on my frame, I'd probably go, I don't know what I'd do. I think the pads are about the same size on both. So it's kind of a toss up. I think less weight is better and it probably takes an impact better. But um, I know you don't like the hard mounting of the, the, the um, Crossfire Nano and the Unify Nano. Um, but there's a pretty clean like pin setup where you can mount it on top. The yeah. gyro's on the bottom of the board. And uh, if you suspended the opposite side that's not pinned with like a little VHB or something, like I don't think it would cause any vibrations or anything, but I wired mine off to the side. I bet it'll be fine for those that do just pin it straight in. For me, it's just like, I just don't like it. Yeah. I want to get as much of that ballast weight towards the back away from that GoPro. And I know it's just like, I, like I just try to put as much shit as I can at the very Dude, back of the like quad. 10 grams. Bro. Yeah. But um, yeah, either way you do it, I'm sure it's great. Um, I'm not that far along, dude. Because I had a bad motor. Um, I had a bad motor after getting it all wired up. And then I pretty much stripped it all down. It took took one of the motors off and tried to rewire the... Uh... So basically, there's no OSD on the... Uh... Does your KISS board have OSD? It does, but I don't have it set up. I mean, the board doesn't. There's a PDB on there that does. Right. Okay, so... With this setup, it's a four-in-one ESC. 
the cool thing about it is that 128 PWM, I don't know if that's even going to be noticeable, but there's no PW, uh, there's no PDB needed. And because of that, you don't have an OSD option. So I think for a lot of people, they don't like that. So the way that I figured out to get around that is basically with the new crossfire stuff. The, uh, sorry, the new, um, CBS. CBS yeah. So I'm running like a pro 32 HD, which is like that pretty thick, chunky VTX. It's double sided. Um, super clean though. It's got a connection straight to the, uh, to the crossfire pulling in, pulling in, uh, link quality and voltage. And it'll even take uh, telemetry from the ESC, I believe. And then you set your OSD up in a different WYSIWYG type thing, editor. Um, but I'm not there, dude. I'm just uh, trying to get a clean, you know me, I just think starting with the clean hardware side is better than trying to slap it together and see even if it works, you know? All the time, especially if you got rigs that work and you don't need to like just get something in the air. Um, and I'm just really curious to see how you, how everything goes. Cause like, lately i've been really wanting to like my film rigs are on beta flight but i want to make them kiss mm -hmm. and if i could do the whole ost setup like that um because i have gps on my film rigs um but i don't think i use it enough and i don't know if you can even plug that in that data into that type of osd but i think even without it i would be okay i would probably save one long range quad so yeah. So if you were going to fly your freestyle rig that's on KISS today out of film rig, what are the things that you would want on the OSD? Um, I mean, if I could have everything, it would be um, voltage, link quality, um, the box frame of what's framed for the GoPro. Uh-huh. And um, I mean, a home arrow, if I had GPS, that would be sick. So the box frame thing is like a Radix only. And I, I know that they're working with TBS. So maybe that will be like something that they could get in the OSD. Yeah. The other thing is the GPS. I don't know. I'm assuming the way Trappy, you know, his head works is that he would be able to pull in GPS to their OSD, but I haven't explored it. dude. Yeah. And they got that point. in, they got the new Achilles. Um, the new v the new goggle module that uses the Achilles firmware, which also uses like an OSD layout from uh, from Brain FPV. Um, his name's Martin too, I believe. Sick. We all know each other. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I haven't gotten anything gear wise. Kyle Antonowicz sent over a new MQC Fusion since I dunked that one in the ocean. Dope. Yeah, it's nice of him. Yeah, um, I had a backup, so I was able to build one out, but he sent over another one. Um, and then I started, the thing I was going to show you earlier is I started drawing up, um, and I'm not very good at 3D modeling stuff, and so Christian's going to finish it, but uh, adjustable mounts for the low flows. Nice. And then Hero 8 mounts as well. Um, but I think, like, I got a film shoot coming up in a half pipe and the low flow is the quad I want to be flying. Mm -hmm. Like it's just so direct, feels so good. So perfect. Yeah. And the distance of a, 
of a half pipe, like the the level distance is probably 25 feet max, maybe 30 feet max on a huge half pipe, right? Yep. So you could probably run like pretty flat camera angle on the low flow and just crush it. Totally. And now it's got me thinking too, um, because if I could set up all that OSD stuff in the VTX um, and then build up a 5S low flow, I think I'm going to score some motors from Emacs to build one up. Um, Mm -hmm. Because my big like tear right now is bring a 4S rig, do a film shoot. Um, I normally fly 5S and I have like 19 5S batteries that I bring. So if I bring a 4S rig, that's like another set of like, you know, at least 10 batteries, if not more that I have to bring. And last time I brought like 25 on this ski shoot and that's the max I'm ever bringing. Like it was so heavy to carry around all day in waist deep snow. Mm-hmm. Way too much. So you need like 2150 KV motors on the low flow and then just run all your 5S packs. Yeah, 21 to 1800 like I run 1850 on 5S on my usual film rig, which is like way underpowered, but it just like is, it to me just feels so good. Which like, you know my style, like for years it was 2400 KV and then ended on low pitch 2400 KV or low pitch props on those. Um, I just feel like for me personally, I fly so, like it's like, uh, like when we're playing four as a dude and then we drive like a slow car and it's all about like momentum. Like, you mm-hmm. can still go fast, but you really have to be, like, dicey with it, you know, like, on point. Having a slightly underpowered quad, I feel like, makes me fly like that. Like, I'm so much smoother because I know I can't just back out of shit. I feel like that's good if you can make a quad heavy enough, you know, so that you have enough, like, load on it. Like, a lightweight quad on a low KV, low power setup, like, just feels too, like, you don't have enough. Like, you're flying a Frisbee kind of yeah like it's just it's like a wiffle ball yeah it doesn't really grab the air um, yeah my with a seven it weighed in at 666 grams so yeah just make her heavy man just make her heavy run like a 2000 1950 kv 5s heavy pack and like for the record this is not like a slow moving quad like it's super fucking fast it's just not as fast as it could be like compared to a quad in 2015 it's like eons faster but like compared to like a 6s as fast as you can go freestyle quad it's not up there right right i thought you were just talking about the difference between like a 2150 versus like a 1850 on a 5s yeah i mean kind of like that difference you know like it's like it's still a fpv quad that's bending physics it's just not as fast as it could be totally yeah that'll be cool yeah super cool and i just love the low flow and i talked to christian yesterday for like an hour and uh he's firing up another batch and designing some new moves and he's still flying which i'm always like perpetually worried about ever since he got into paragliding okay uh, but when I talked to him, he's out in San Diego right now doing some paragliding and he ran into Chris Teal and uh, John Verheron on their Boston Film Festival tour. Really? Yeah. Random. He was at a f- paragliding spot paragliding and they were out there filming paragliders. Dude, that's sick. So sick. It's like, fuck Dude, you'll have to uh, ask him. I'm trying to get some titanium hardware because he, he puts titanium hardware in all the low flows, right? Yep. I'm trying to get some titanium hardware for a different project. So let him know. 
Yeah, dude. I mean, Slash, you could probably just hit him up, dude. Oh, yeah. I got his number. I forgot. And he's coming to our quad spa getaway in uh, September. Dope. The gang will be back in town. Yeah. Well, folks, if you want to stick on gear for a minute, um, Real Steady Go and Hero 8, and then the new TBS, Tango 2. Big, big stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm most hyped about the Real Steady with the Hero 8. Yep. I got one here. Stoked. So what's that mean? If you scrap your sixes and sevens, you got to get new ND filters, but pretty much the battery still is the same, right? Or is it all internal? Battery is the same, which is awesome. Um, I bought an extra six for the film shoot in Colorado and then returned it immediately after because I never used it. Like, I just set it away as, like, a backup. Um, And I returned it immediately after to get the eight. Um, And, yeah, the ND filter thing sucks because, like, I finally pulled the trigger on Polar Pros, like, a month ago. Yeah. I waited so long to get them for the six. Um, So new ND filters. but really, I don't think the image quality is going to look any better. I think the biggest benefit you get um, in terms of filming is you get 1440p, 120, 4.3 aspect ratio, mm-hmm. which like that's going to be probably where I spend 98% of my time in is right there. Um, and then after last week's episode with Chris Teal, the issue that we were talking about it where it freezes up and doesn't record, it just freezes on a frame has mm-hmm. not not happen to him yet no matter what the condition yeah we should probably be clear about like 120 frames right like when you say that's where you're going to be sticking that's because you want to get super slow-mo of the action sports right yep and so in in not even action sports but if i'm making like a cinematic edit where i'm real studying it gives me such dynamic speed ramp capabilities like yeah. If I can go from like 500% speed to 25% speed, yeah. the, the punch of that shot just hits you so much harder. Definitely, dude. Um, yeah, but like your freestyle flights, not 120. I think yeah. some people are like, oh, I'm getting better fidelity with 120. And it's like, no, it's just to slow down the footage. Yeah, it's, it's 100% to stretch out a moment in time. Yep, exactly. And keep and keep your frame your output frame rate consistent. Yep. Um but yeah, as for freestyle, 30 frames all day, every day, forever. And like I'm not going to be filming any freestyle on the 8. Like I really don't think the image quality is like noticeably different, especially after rendering it, but I don't yeah. think it's that big. And like the edit I just put out, um that was filmed in 2.7 cropped in by 29 percent and i still thought it looked pretty damn good looked great man yeah great yeah the hero eight's a good camera um it just kind of sucks that the form factors changed a little bit i mean it doesn't suck but if you spend a 100 bucks on polar pro filters that you can't use now that kind of sucks but i guess you can sell them used with your old camera yeah, I mean, I'm still going to keep the 6, and I'm still going to bring it with me as a backup. You know, if it's yeah. the same battery, then really bringing an extra cam with some NDs isn't a huge thing. No. If it was different batteries, I would definitely feel a different type of way about it. Um, but they did 
use the same form factor for three bodies, so I guess I can't be too pissed. Yeah. Yeah, except that those cameras came out like every other year. Every year. Every year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did I check What's that other one? The Insta Insta three sixty, the one, the the larger yeah. frame. Uh the one inch Leica sensor or whatever mm-hmm. action cam. I am the most pumped about that for the three sixty footage because it does three sixty, I think it's like five point five or five point seven K at sixty frames, whereas the max only does three sixty at thirty frames. And I think slow motion three sixty footage would be the bee's knees. Um, it's the only thing I hate about the Max. Um, yeah. I just pulled this thing out. I was completely shocked at what this was. Is that a cigarello? Yeah. Very much like one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of... Oh, and then the Tango too. Um, yeah, let's talk about that for a minute because that I was super intrigued about with the folding gimbals and the folding antenna. I was like, I can throw it in a backpack and never worry about it. Yeah. Um, the but, size of it is like a pro and a con. Like I think for travel and quick setup and like all sorts of just like mobile shit, it's amazing. Um, like setup time and everything too. Like... And especially if you're not going to have, like, if you're just having, like, using a tiny whoop or something like that, then, like, it seems so dumb to bring a tiny whoop and then, like, a giant Tyrannus um, versus just having, like, a little game controller. Especially if you have, like, if you're just, like, a tiny whooper or something like that, like, it seems so dumb to, like, travel with, like, a tiny whoop and a cigarette pack size, like, worth of batteries and then a giant Tyrannus. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's so, like this makes so much sense for that. Um, and then for the a set- tiny whoop, but how many tiny whoops are you running Crossfire on? I mean, ideally all of them. I yeah, would all, I, guess. I, I guess. If I could, I have Crossfire on my Beta 75 and I really like it. Um, and I would run tiny or Crossfire on tiny whoop. And then the setup time thing um, is also sick. Like the gimbals, just the form factor. Like for me, traveling with the Tyrannus, I hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gotta like, like it's like I check everything, so I put my Tyrannus in my check bag and then put the battery in my backpack, and it's just like takes up so much space. Dude, it's like traveling with a Game Boy, you know. Now with the Tango, you know, pretty yeah. You know, like batteries enclosed. It's not a big deal. There's no screw-on antennas. Yeah, but the only the only downside I saw was that it won't do 500. Yeah, that's a pretty decent downside. Um, not for like true long range. Like I don't think that's an issue. But like I like to run 500 in like heavy city environments with a lot of noise and shit like that. Yeah, like in the mountains, I think you're fine at 250 for life. Like mm-hmm. even a hundred supposed to cover like what five miles or something. Totally. If you have no other infer- interference or any any other reasons to block yeah the signal's getting blocked or something um but sometimes i like to run 500 and then really like after i know we just talked about this but after five years of holding a tyrannus i don't know if i want to switch like 
and that's like not i mean that's just like the most simple reason to not switch but like i just am so used to the distance of everything from different parts of my hands yeah well supposedly this is the same exact distance between the futaba gimbals yeah i don't mean the gimbals i mean like how yeah like how thick the radio is how clenched my fingers are how heavy it is how the Um, booty feels in your hands yeah exactly yeah is it yeah yeah you're not part of that x light shit you know i don't i don't want that paris hilton booty no baby got back you know what i'm saying yeah and um and like i don't fly with a strap so i like a heavy radio Mm -hmm. um shameless plug i got a video about my radio coming out in the next few days that i recorded today but i like a heavy radio like i run a bigger battery and i run the metal rack on or the stand on the back of it just so it like you know it's like using a heavy camera you get smoother shots yep i hear you that's why you shouldn't get a glock man you got to get a full metal pistol no i'm 100 percent getting a glock dude mm. Mm. dude i love the way it looks I lived in Austria. It's a fucking sick gun. And it requires practice, so it gives me a good reason to go to the range. Get it, man. There's no reason not to. Yeah. That's a good gun. I'm just giving you shit. I know. Because when I told you I, w- I want to get a Glock, you were like, fuck, yeah, here's a video on why you should get a Glock. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I support the idea, but, you know. Dude, and I was so ready to buy one, um, but this car came up. Like, I was like, I'm going to come back from this film shoot and buy a gun and get my concealed carry um, for living out here in Kansas. But then I came back and my aunt was like, yo, I'm going to sell my car. And I was like, I'll give you this much. And she was like, that's a deal. And I was like, all right, I'm in. Well, you made the right decision, bro. The car is way more important than the gun. Yeah, 100%. Um, Hundreds. And especially based, like, it's not like I had a dope previous car. Cars come and go, man. Same with the guns, whatever. Yeah, dude, I'm a I'm gonna miss that Honda though, man. I took that to prom and I drove it to both coasts <laughs> of America. Yeah, you changed the tire, <laughs> fucking mid journey across the U.S. Yeah, dude, I'm gonna miss that car for sure. All right, well, I guess we've reached the vaping and smoking portion of the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> topics uh, are dwindling, folks. Back to you, Greg. <laughs> back to you. <laughs> um wait let me see what else did i have on the what were we talking about we were talking about uh your all your gigs and the fact that none of my gigs pan out well you only had one and also you have like a really demanding day job whereas i have like fuck all to do most days right right but i wish i could quit my day job and just fly all day wouldn't that be great dude you 100 percent can but you gotta move to kansas where it's dirt cheap to live Okay. Well, out here in the Bay Area, they say I can only fly maybe twice, three times a month. But, yeah. I mean, dude, I mean, no, I know, I, I know I'll, you. I'll fit it in. I'll fit it in, bro. I'll get the practice hours in, I promise. But, yeah. And that was like one of the biggest moves in, like, for me was like, I want to do this full time. I'm going to move from the front range of Colorado, which is not like the Bay Area, but it's getting there, you know? Mm hmm. And move to Kansas where it's like four times cheaper to live. Um, And like, I don't mind Kansas. It's definitely not Colorado, but uh, I wouldn't be able to do this full time if I didn't live here. At least at this point. 
Right. Well, living in Kansas, I'm sure has all those perks and more too, like all these spots that you can fly and not really have to trip, right? You get a lot of freedom out there. A lot of freedom, like no one, there's like everybody's just super chill. Like no one cares about flying, population density super low. Right now it sucks because it's ghost branch season. Like it looks epic here in the summer because it's really mm-hmm. green and humid and just lush. So right now it looks pretty dead. Um, and then <clears throat> like when I'm traveling and then I come home to come home to a place that's like so dead and quiet is so nice. Oh, I bet. You know, like I spend like three weeks on the road, just like madness, going to this spot, that spot, meeting these people, stress, what, whatever. And then I come home and it's like no traffic going anywhere. Stores, mm-hmm. stores never full. Dude, that's awesome. And yeah. then you, you get your you get your fix of the hustle. Outside. Yeah, and one makes me crave the other. Like when I was home for the holidays, after like six weeks, I was like, I need to do something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, sounds like you got plenty to do over the next couple months, so that's good. Yeah, and then um, the other thing we didn't mention was uh, I just dove some super awesome skyscraper action. Speaking of flying spots close by, that was like two hours oh, away. Vandal? Yeah. Oh, yeah, talk about that, dude. Dude, shout out to Vandal. Um, I met him at a drift event. And he lives in Tulsa and was like, if you were driving through, hit me up. And so I was driving through. I was going to Oklahoma City and then coming back to hang out with Brandy. And um, on the way back, we met up. He was like, let's go fly this bando. And then it was all fenced off because there was like a start of this construction site. And he was like, yo, let me take you to this other spot in the city. Um, It'll be super sick. And I was like, all right, cool. And it's just like the tallest skyscraper in town. And we're stashed up on top of a parking garage. And I was just like, holy shit. Um but it was super chill. Like the side that we were ripping was over roof. So even if you fail safe, like you were never over people flying. That's cool. Um, super cool. And uh, yeah, we just dove that building. I only flew two packs and I was like, I'm done here. Um, and then the creepiest thing happened. I posted the video like two days later on Facebook and someone in the comments posted a picture taken from inside of a car from the parking garage. We flew when we were there. Uh, it's a picture of us from inside of a car. <laughs> some creepers dude it's, it's like a pi picture man so you creepy. never found out who it was i found out who it was um i don't know who took it like i don't know them the guy that posted it in the comments i met he was like flying a dji at the same drift event not an fpv dude um mm-hmm. and it was funny because when i was gauging this whole thing like vandal hit me up and he was like yo what's with this dude with a picture of us like this is super fucking creepy and i was like okay i don't know what to make of this like i don't want to you know maybe this dude whatever works for the faa whatever is a hater whatever like i don't want to you know admit to anything and uh, and then i look at this dude's profile and he's got pictures of fireworks taken at night from a drone and i was like all right we're good yeah you're good he's chill (laughs) yeah he's chill it's Uh, like it's kind of like when you're driving down the the highway at night and you're like oh shit, was that a cop? And you sped by him and then the dude like revs his engine and flies by you. Like, You're like, you know, oh, okay, 100%. No, yep. yeah. <laughs> We're all good. Um, but yeah, that uh, was super sick. Um, and then on the trip to um, hang out with Brandy in Oklahoma City, 
uh, we were going to fly the whole weekend, but only one of the three days was flyable weather. It was like tornado warnings and like 16 degrees the other days. But I took the Sony out for its like full nighttime test drive. Main voyage at night. Yeah, I think I took like 300 pictures at night. Um, all sorts of different settings. What? Did you bring any tripod with you or was it just straight up handheld? Um, mostly handheld and then a lot of setting it down on shit for like the long exposure stuff. And then I would just do like the delayed shutter, like three seconds and then hit it. Um, so that like my finger moving, it didn't mess up the shot. Nice. Yeah, dude, that camera is so sick. Yeah, Batman, a little jealous. Yeah, but dude, you're going to buy a camera here too. I'm pretty sure you would have bought one like... <clears throat> four months ago if there wasn't new shit coming out yeah i don't know uh i've made all sorts of excuses about that one but yeah that new canon's gonna be pretty cool what is it the eos r yeah the eos r5 there is a five in there shoots 8k with a crop um my computer would just yeah, full 4K, 120, I think. So better than the old 1DX. Better than the new 1DX in terms of video, I think, maybe. So weatherproof body. All this shit I'm waiting for. We'll see. We'll see if it actually comes out. Yeah, like, it's a, it's a weird split because, like, I, going through the YouTube, like, influencer channels, um, it's like a split division of Canon versus Sony. And I don't think there's, like, a right answer to either, like, both sides no. create epic content but sometimes if you get like stuck on a couple people's channel like after i got the sony i got stuck on maddie's and uh mckinnon's channel and potato jet and i just watched a bunch of their videos and i was like fuck i should have gotten a canon no and, and then i watched like shiffers and uh who else chris howe and then that british guy james something yep. And uh, they all rock Sony's. And if you look at those like camps content side to side, you can't fucking tell the difference. No, I mean, it's always been that way with, I mean, it's a tool, right? Yeah. And you know, this from mountain biking and probably not from quads, but like a lot of it is just a different flavor, you know? Yeah, totally. And it's like everything else you do that those dudes do in their videos, like the lighting, the editing, the yeah. sound design. It's all that shit that makes a difference, not the camera. 100%. Um, so yeah, I bounced back off that. I was like, all right, cool. Now we're good. And then I was like, how influenced am I by the internet? <laughs> yeah, heavily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's polarizing content. It's like made to either attract buyers or like make people who just purchase question their their decisions and yeah, and it's like a it's like a trickle effect. Like you start out with like a, how do I do these settings or this type of shot with this like best like night settings for Sony A7, right? And then like the trickle of suggested videos like transforms from like sony night settings to night settings to why canon is best at night settings yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man it just gets more extreme yeah um yeah that'll be good that's that's not coming out for a while so i can wait 
Yeah, definitely. It'll be it'll be fine when you get. But like, yeah, by the time I have time to create content, or at least create the content I want to create, and need a camera, fuck that camera will be out. It's it's you know successor will be out. (laughs) So. Yeah, I got my eye on the technology all the time and looking at it and always trying to compare, like, if I was going to pull the trigger right now, what would I do? Yeah. Which is kind of fun, you know? Oh, dude, it's super fun. Um, that's why they make Amazon wish lists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that damn buy it now one click button that's connected to my credit card is a dangerous thing. Seriously. Oh, really? Don't even enter my information? Sure, I'll take that. One of those. Oh, just swipe up to purchase. Okay, that's it. (laughs) Whoops. Uh, Whoops. And it'll, like, I mean, you come from, like, a photography camera background, um, so you're, like, super in tune. Like, like, when you get the camera, you'll be able to utilize it super well. Like, a big part of me getting the Sony is, like, having people like Air Blaster um, on the podcast being, like, I see it as a camera platform. Like, having the Sony really makes me just think about like composition and color and i don't know it just makes me like more focused on the actual like what's coming out of the video than just the fpv flying yeah totally bro i feel like once in what took me or i think you're always learning this shit but um understanding that the camera is just a mechanism to capture light and then what you can do with how it captured that light in post and what you need to get the best like final outcome that really like getting that tech uh getting the like technology and the technique out of the way and being able to actually focus on doing something creative i think is where it gets fun you see that in music like playing piano, playing drums, playing an instrument. That's one thing. Like if you get real comfortable, then that's fun. And then what I realized is like making electronic music and learning the software, like so much of the time, the software and the hardware sound card and the fucking plugin settings, it all gets in the way of actually making music. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I liked about, yeah, I don't know. I think, that's when, that's when these creative outlets that utilize technology get fun is when you can at least get to the point in the technology where you understand it enough where it's not distracting anymore. Yeah, like you, know? you don't think about it. It's like you can use it but still be in a flow state. For sure. And that's hard. I think that's harder to get to in certain, in certain mediums, you might say, like with music versus video versus drone flight versus, you know, photography. Yeah, and I feel almost, like, jaded off of drone flight because, like, drone flight is so stimulating. Um, Like, when I do something that I know is film-worthy, like, I know it right there. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I was there for the moment. But with, like, Mm -hmm. photography or, like, a B-roll shot that's in, like, super flat color or raw, and you look at it on the little viewfinder, you kind of have to, like, envision what the shot is. You're like, okay, I got it. You know, but you're looking at the image, and you're like, wow, that's flat as fuck. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> you know you know dude it's kind of like um kind of like uh, they're doing this body work on the cobra right now and like these guys know what the body needs to look like in its like shitty primer state for it to look great when it's painted 
Yep. You know what I mean? And like having an eye for what something needs to look like within the process of getting it to where you want it to be is like really important, I think. Yep. And that I feel like that just comes with experience. Like the more the more raw photos that you edit, the more uh S log video that you color grade, the more GoPro settings that you fuck with and try to render differently like the more you understand what the what the first capture like what the raw input of that medium needs to look like you know because you've manipulated it and optimized it and messed with it and color graded it and slowed it down like you know what it needs to look like to start it off in that in that machine that you've created you know what i mean totally and the more you do it the less things surprise you you're like oh this is like that one time i should go to iso so and so I know how to fix this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know how to fix this. Um, like of those 300 pictures that I took, maybe 12 of them are like wallpaper worthy after like all the shit, like I, on like a couple of them, I spent like an hour or two in like Photoshop yeah. and Lightroom, like expanding clothes <clears throat> on lights and shit. Um, but for those like 10 to 12 pictures that worked out, I learned probably like 30 things. Yeah. Where I was like, that doesn't work. That does. That looks horrible. That looks amazing. How did I not see that in the moment? I was too focused on this. That kind of shit. Yep. So, uh, like, I used to work for a drumming magazine. And, like, the first work trip I ever went on, I must have been, like, 20, 21, 22. Uh, I went to a drumming convention. And we had to share, we had to share rooms. And I shared rooms with a photographer for the magazine. And yeah, I remember him going through like an early version of Lightroom or Bridge at the time and dumping all his photos. And I was just like, dude, you have like, you just dumped like 3000 photos. And he's like, yeah, but I'll, I'll edit and color grade like one in 300, one in 500 sometimes. And like probably one in three, like one in um, a thousand will actually get used somewhere. And I'm like, all right. So he just shoots his ass off, right? He doesn't care if every picture doesn't look good. He's just trying to capture at all times so that when that moment happens, he captured it, right? It's somewhere in that thousand pictures. Yeah. And he can go and run his magic on that one moment, you know, which is sick. Yeah, it makes sense too. Like, like watching the Larry Chen stuff, like whenever he's shooting, you hear the machine gun burst go off and then you see like, <laughs> He posts like what, maybe two, three pictures a week and then gets like yep. five features tops a week. He's probably taking like easy a thousand, two thousand pictures a week and like 10 of them hit the internet. You never know when your hand's going to shake, when something's going to happen. So they want it like rapid fire. Or when it's going to look cool. Like sometimes your hand shakes and it just adds this blur that you're like, wow. Yeah. You know, like just this intangible moment. All that, which is why you hear like, um, who's that Afro dude? Uh, Fro knows best, the camera camera reviewer. Oh yeah, yeah. The- like pretty much everyone that talks about these new cameras, like the One DX, like the um, the frames per second. In in photography, it's not how many frames, like it's not the fidelity of your of your video file or your capture, but like how many times it can actually open and close that shutter on a still photo. So these things are doing 12 to 12 to 20 frames per second. I just want to make sure I'm saying it right uh, off the camera. Right. So they can just hold the shutter down and just capture all this shit. Yeah. 
the 20 is in silent mode because it doesn't it uses the digital uh mirrorless shutter so just tesla tesla life the 12 frames per second sounds like an ak and then you want to go up to 20 it's just straight silent you don't hear shit it's just I mean, to go through that. Oh, shoot, shoot, shooting with that, driving your Tesla, just going by like a silencer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but can you imagine editing that, bro? Uh, Dude, what, even what, just what, looking through it. Those, yeah. Like um, this Oklahoma City trip was like four days. And it's the first, um, I guess the Cali trip I went on with the Sony, but I was like still learning it. And I was like hanging out with family and stuff. So I wasn't using it all the time. Um, but on this Oklahoma city trip was like the first time I came home with like multiple GoPros and Sony footage and just like had to get all this shit together. And it was just so much fucking work. And then to go through all of it, like I had like 112 B roll clips from four days and then like 13 flight packs and like 310 photos or something. It took me like two or three days just to go through it all. I was going to say that's, it's a blessing and a curse, right? It's like, look at all this fucking content and like beautiful images. And then you realize you have like 20 shots of the same framed image and you can't decide on which blur or lens flare you like, or which way the donkey was leaning. Like, fuck dude. Yeah. And like I had to, I was flipping between edits. Like I made like the real steady skyscraper a b-roll of like brandy and i hanging out and then like a freestyle edit um the world's only seen one of those but like it helped bouncing between the three mm-hmm. it like fresh in my eyes every time because sometimes i would do that i would get stuck on like one clip and be like well should i do 25 percent directional blur faded to zero or 27 to faded to zero <laughs> sometimes you just got to go with your natural instinct and then and then just keep and then move on. And then like when you get to the point where you think you've got like one full, full draft, then watch it for rough spots and fix that. Cause what I've realized, especially trying to sample records and make beats is you focus on one thing and you try to perfect that one thing and you never end up achieving the like greater outcome. And the you greater know? outcome is what people notice. They don't notice the one thing. All it does is slow your ass down. So do whatever you think is like instinctual creatively get it to a point where you think it's acceptable and move on and then watch it w- with your friends you know and um, just come, come back, back to, to it. it yeah yeah. 100%. yeah i uh yeah you just gotta walk away from it for a second mm-hmm. and then come back with fresh eyes i think it's better to like lay down the idea and then walk away and then come back and brush it up totally now, and I laid down, I exported 11 rough drafts of that one minute skyscraper video before I was like, that's the one. Cause that for me, I like, I, I mean, I have a pretty sick computer, but I, I need the clip exported full screen to like really break down judging it. Yeah. You gotta figure out that playback dude. Cause there should be an easy way for you to just watch all your clips. I mean, I can watch all my clips and I can watch my edit, but it's still in half quality. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but you could go, you could use proxies and go to 720. I could, and but run it at full. and I and I and I use proxies um, when I'm full though. 
when when I'm doing real steady edits, yeah, then I have no problem. But when I combine Sony footage with GoPro footage, oh. I don't run proxies on the Sony footage because it's only 1080. Oh. And then I get caught in this like weird, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but if I have the proxy button clicked on in Premiere and I'm running in between proxied and not proxied files, it doesn't like fuck it up, but it's noticeable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just export the clip. That way I have like 20 minutes away from it. I go do something else and then I watch it and as like, I watch it once through pick up on things I don't like. And then I watch it and then also have premiere open and I'm like, okay, change this, change that, change this. And then I export. So, but if, so what I, my recommendation would be would dump everything to proxies and only work in proxies so that everything is 720. And then when you render, it'll deal with whatever the native resolution was at the time it was imported, you know? Yeah. I whatever, would, if, bro. But, if, but if I didn't have a hundred clips to dump in a, like with GoPro footage, it's like, <coughs> I know which ones I'm, you know, like it's sick. Yeah. But with it, Sony footage, it's like too many clips. Like mm-hmm. I don't wanna I don't wanna proxy out like eighty files. Oh. Why aren't you just watching them in bridge or Lightroom or something like that? Watching things in Lightroom? When you import, yeah, can't you preview your movie files through Lightroom or Bridge or any of the viewers? I mean, I pre like I just watch them in QuickTime beforehand, um, but I just end up like the way I edit is like I just dump everything into a timeline and whittle it yeah. down. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, it just and takes a lot of time to render pre-render all those clips, dude. Takes a lot of time, and it like and like for this radio uh, edit, I just was working on the intro, and I would just export like that twenty seconds, and that only takes like two minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, not like I'm doing this through the whole process. It's like, I get it 95% of the way. Yeah. And then I just want to see like the last couple little things. Mm-hmm. See, it's a perfect example of technology getting in the way of the creative process, dude. It wouldn't be a problem if I had like a $10,000 Mac desktop sitting here. That's exactly what I mean, bro. Technology getting in the way and then cost of technology, right? So by the time that that Mac Pro tower is the is the cost of like what a MacBook is today, you know what I mean? Like lower in the spectrum, it'll render your 4K GoPro and your 4K Sony clips fine. But by the time that that camera is at the cost that we can all afford it, then we'll be trying to render 8K and 10K footage. Do you think we're going to hit a limit though of like what our eye can see? Like mine is like going to like big movie projectors and like venues like that like how much fucking resolution do you need for an iphone which is like where 80 percent of my videos are viewed so for gaming i think with the color gradients and what they're doing there i think that could get more lifelike with the added resolution but i don't know about just general television watching you know or content video video content yeah i think i mean i get it from like like the creative standpoint of like you can like especially if you're like filming an 8k putting out four you can crop in on like you can just make anything look sick because you can frame it perfectly yeah and i mean people are probably going to go larger with their televisions um you know that's the that's the cost of of that goes down so you know 90 100 inch screens 8k i mean Will it ever max out? I don't know. I don't know either. That's a good question. Who knows? Uh, before we get out of here, 
Let's give the Hacko giveaway one last piece of hype before we uh, I pick the winner next week. Yeah. What? How do you want to hype it? What do you mean? So. I mean, you got the stuff in your hand. Hacko's got hack. Oh yeah, because you want it on video here. Hacko. Yeah. The FX iron, and a lot of people I think think that like a whip style iron like this is not as good as a full uh, soldering. Um, station and I think that comes from just the fact that some of those irons don't transfer heat very well and this iron uses the same tips that are in the triple eight D like I use Martin don't you use the same iron yep so it uses the same tips um, and I believe it has the same uh, heater heating core and it's fully adjustable up to I think temperatures above what the 888 will do. I think this thing does 600 Celsius, which runs hotter than, much That's hotter hot than hell. Yeah. And uh, it's not only a giveaway for this iron, but it's also coming with an iron holder. So it will, you know, be on your bench, just like a normal station. You won't have to set it down sideways or on your wood bench or anything like that. So actually a really nice holder, probably nicer than the one. It's basically like a three-piece little solder station. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I would say this is actually maybe nicer than the holder I have with the triple eight. And then uh, a solder cleaner and a T-shirt and make a post. Follow Fly Life Co on Instagram. Follow Hacko on Instagram. And uh, tag us both. Be, yeah, there's probably going to be a few more of these as well because they're pretty awesome irons, and um, I think they're kind of perfect for what we do. So, good stuff. Boom, Hacko. Boom, Hacko. Get it. Get there. Do it right. Do it live. <laughs> Do it live. Um, yeah, dude, I think um, that pretty much covers everything I had written down. You got anything else? Cool. Cool. No, man, I'm excited. Got- <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I'm super excited <laughs> to get out there and, and fly that Fettech rig and excited to get, um, maybe come back on the podcast and talk more about that. I'll be maybe posting some footage or something, but, uh, say it. So anti- <laughs> yeah, like, it's pretty anticlimactic. Pretty, Come on, man. maybe I'll, uh, I don't know, post some footage or, I mean, what do you want to see? Do you want me to just say, Hey, yeah, flies great or flies better than my flight one rig or, you know, knowing yeah. you, you'll probably send me like a whole two minute flight and be like, yo, check this out. iCloud download. Yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah dude and if you guys want um some hero sixes or hero sevens i got a couple of those i got a i got a white black which is confusing uh seven (laughs) that's a very confused seven uh still new in the box and then i got a seven that's not new in the box and two sixes for sale uh get at me and i'll give you a good good price on those sick dude um yeah that's all i got Go get a Hacko soldering iron. There's a sick Emacs giveaway coming up and some more Hacko stuff. And that's it. Fly Life episode number 69. It's a good one. It, uh, dude, has it really been, how many episodes has it been? This is, a, this is the 69th episode. Dude, congratulations, bro. Yeah, we're, uh, you know, getting up there. Getting up there. Triple FP- digits soon enough. FPV show ended at 99. That's like the cursed number, right? No one's made it past 100 in FPV. I mean, there's like drone you and like a couple of those, but I'm saying like 
quad talk and FPV show. We're gonna we're gonna pop a bottle of Dom on the hundredth episode for sure. Dude, for the hundredth episode, I'll probably fly out to Cali and we'll do it like studio style, not over the internet. We could, yeah, we gotta have multiple. Maybe we do a round table. Yeah, and we get some yeah, local. It's yeah. noisy though, but you can Dude. you know, mute people. That'd be really good. You just... South Dakota getaway hundredth episode. I don't know if that'll line up, but that sounds like a good plan. I mean, that's what, like 40 weeks away, 30 episodes? I'm sure you can figure out the math on it so you can do like two a week, one a week. You can kind of match <laughs> yeah, them up. Or just like one a week and then the week before like 10. Yeah. <laughs> hell cram- yeah. Cramming them. Uh, but hell yeah, man. Thanks for doing the show. Always a good time. I'm sure you'll be on soon. King Martin out. All right, Peace. bro. Later. Thank <laughs> you.